it was healthy for his sons to work on Saturday. Uh, there was no sleeping in. He would wake you up. He even started a firewood company so we'd have something to do on Saturday, deliver firewood. Every once in a while on those Saturday mornings, we would get up, my brother and I, and we'd head out to whatever he had to, for us. And uh, he'd look at me and he says, uh, Paul, I think you're scatterbrained. How many of you have ever heard the words scattered brain? Okay. I really don't know fully what it means, but what he, I think it means is that I, I was thinking about this for one second, then I'd be going off and I wasn't focused on what he wanted me to be focused on. And I think in the last few months, and I say this as kindly as I know how, I think Christians have become scatterbrained. I think there's so much going on in the world, elections, coronavirus, protests, the fight against racism, that we're just thinking everywhere. And so what I want to do today is kind of bring our thoughts together and think about what's really important and where we should focus. I think I've used this illustration before, but I want to do it again. If you had to summarize your life in six words, what would you say? If you had to summarize your life in six words, what would they be? Ernest Hemingway was challenged to write a six-word story that resulted in this classic. Now listen to this six-word story. For sale. Baby shoes. Never worn. Do you see uh, how many ways you can take that? For sale, baby shoes, never worn, Ernest Hemingway. Well, several years ago, an online magazine asked that question. And uh, I want to read you some of the things that these people said when they summarized their life in six words. This is taken from not quite what I was planning, and it all changed in an instant. Six-word memoirs by writers famous and obscure. It's written in 2010. Here's one. One guy wrote, One tooth, one cavity, life's cruel. Another one wrote, Savior complex makes for many disappointments. This one. This one was written not by a wise old grandmother, but by a nine-year-old with thyroid cancer. Cursed with cancer, 
blessed with friends. Another one is, the psychic said, I'd be richer. Another one, tombstone won't say had health insurance. I like this one. Met wife at her bachelorette party. <laughs> Here's what I tried to teach my kids. I picked passion, now I'm poor. Now, you can bring this over to Bible characters. What if some Bible characters summarize their, word, their life in six words or less? For instance, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King was hot, furnace was not. Moses, burning bush, stone tablets, Charlton Heston. <laughs> Abraham, left Ur, had baby, still laughing. Here's Esau. You know the story of Esau? He sold his uh, birthright for porridge. Esau says, at least the stew was good. Well, I've, I've got to go on. Here's Mary, manger, pain, joy, cross, pain, joy. The rich young ruler, Jesus called, left sad, still rich. Zacchaeus, climbed sycamore tree, Short, poorer, and happier. The Good Samaritan, I came, I saw, I stopped. And finally, Paul, Damascus, blind, suffer, right, change, world. Well, let me ask you, when you describe your life with the six-word limitation, the challenge is it demands to focus on what's important. It manages to make us see what's really important in our lives. In Matthew 4, we find five short verses about the power of Jesus and his call to follow. The story of Jesus calling the disciples to follow him has become a classic Sunday school lesson. There's just something enduring about thinking of the first disciples as fishermen on a beach, but as sweet as that is, if taken ser seriously, it's a terrifying story, really. Let's read it, Matthew 4. You'll take your Bibles, turn to Matthew 4. We'll read this passage.
verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And now as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee. They were preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and and their father and followed him. Now, we've heard this passage so many times it doesn't take our breath anymore, but, and immediately they leave their job and they leave their family and they follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but it kind of shocks me, it freaks me out that Jesus' call is so shockingly sudden. You can get deeply uncomfortable when you consider that those who followed Jesus were the type of men who would just leave their jobs and their families without a moment's notice. Come to think of it, maybe we shouldn't teach this story in Sunday school. After all, it might inspire young Christians to run off with a stranger, leave their job, and do a crazy thing like fish for people. This is not child's play. It's what Karl Barth called the strange new world of the Bible. Now listen to me. The call is abrupt. They got up that morning and they went to work because they were fishermen. And Jesus walks by and says, follow me. The call is unusual. What in the world does it mean to fish for people? It's an unusual call. Leave your family, leave your job, Fish for people. And then I think you notice one more thing. The call is done best in partnership. He asked two. James and John, Andrew Phillip. They came together. It's an interesting thing. But what Jesus is inviting them to do now is to follow him, is to get connected to him. They were going to be his disciples. One verse says he called them to be with him. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd ask you a question. How 
connected to Jesus are you at this time in your life? How important is Jesus to you right now? In John chapter 6, 66 through 68, there's a very interesting passage that will raise some questions, but it also will make a point. John 6, 66 through 68. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, now watch this. These men that Jesus called abruptly, unusually, and in pairs most of the time, Jesus says, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Simon Peter said, Where would we go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now what caused this departure is Jesus said previously in this passage, unless you drink of my blood and eat my body, you don't have a part with me. Merle Tinney says in in the Gospel of, uh, of Belief says, the metaphor of eating and drinking is the best figure that can be employed to express the assimilation of one body by another. The method whereby life is transferred from the eaten to the eater. Now listen. The literal eating of Jesus' flesh and the drinking of his blood was not demanded. Although the figure was in itself repulsive, It expressed the meaning of the complete assimilation of Christ into our life just as the life of the believer is assimilated into Christ. It speaks of union. It speaks of connection. It speaks of abiding. It speaks of the fact that Jesus Christ lives within us. We have taken him into our body By faith. Let's be honest. The disciples followed Jesus to get what they wanted, not what they needed. And at first they were not dependent or connected to him. This is a major problem for all of us followers of Jesus. How dependent and connected to Jesus are you? Daniel 11.32b in the King James Bible. We don't quote that one very often, do we? The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. 
Isn't that great? Are you doing exploits? In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says, the people who know their God will be strong and take action. You see, ladies and gentlemen, being connected to God through Jesus Christ gives you the power to do exploits, to take action. So if I'm here encouraging you to get to know your God, to be connected to Jesus, to make him just the most important thing in your life, what I'm trying to say is, if you do that, I will not have to preach, do exploits, you just will do them in your connection with him because he will lead you to move. The reason Christianity is staggering and stumbling is because they are connected to the wrong things and they've lost the abiding principle that it's all him. If you look at this verse, it says, it takes some things to be connected to Jesus. Number one, it takes a desire. You got to decide. I want to know him. I want to be a part of all that he's doing. I want to obey him. One of the most powerful things God gave us is the ability to make a decision. And there comes a time when we have to decide, I want to know him. Because then you will obey him. We, we have a hard time obeying people we don't know. Linda would say, I have a hard time obeying people anytime, anywhere. And she's probably right. But when you get to know someone like Jesus and you know he loves you, enough to die for you, and you know he only wants your good, it is much easier to obey him when he calls you to do whatever he's called you to do. Dennis mentioned Daniel and Melissa. I got a text from them. They were supposed to be here today and we were going to send them off to the mission field. But you know that he caught COVID-19. And you know that therefore because of that he had to move his test to be a doctor and he had to take it in Florida so they had to leave on the 8th. And they're very so sad and sorry about that because this church did not get to say goodbye and they did not get to say goodbye to this church. 
but they are deeply connected to Jesus. And you just do what he says to do. Your desire is to obey him. And so they're doing it. Now, Lord willing and technology is all it's cracked up to be, they will be here next week on video. And they will tell us goodbye and then we can call them and tell them goodbye. Okay? And tell them we're praying for them. Now it would be much better if they were sitting right here. That's not what God wanted. And because we're deeply desirous to obey him, we accept his will as perfect. We not only need desire, we need to be, understand our dependence on God. Elizabeth Elliot says, Christians are people who have accepted God's estimate of them and the remedy. Christians are people who have accepted God's estimate of them and the remedy. We were hopeless, we were helpless, and we were hellbound. That's what we were. But God's remedy is Jesus Christ. And when we come to him, we become hopeful, we become helpful, and we become heaven-bound. We understand who we were, and we even understand who we are, but we know that God's redemption has brought the remedy. Which leads to the last one, and that is decision. Just do it. Uh, I wished I had uh, the ability to show you this video, but if you get online, just check Austin on the high dive. Austin's a little kid. And he climbs up the high dive. High, high dive. And he's going to jump off. And the the video is of his father talking to him, and his father's going, Austin, you can do it. Just jump. You're going to be okay. Now, I notice his father's not up there. And he keeps saying, jump, and then there's a line forming behind him, and he says, there's a line before you. You've got to jump. You'll be okay. And he's standing there with his feet. I'm going to go over here. Hi, guys. I'm going to go over here. He's just like this. You can see it. His dad says, Okay, Austin. You either jump or go back down the ladder. Austin just stands there. You begin to think he's afraid to go down the ladder. He's going to live up there the rest of his life. And then all of a sudden, someone says, just do it. 
jump, and he does. Well, the whole swimming pool just, you know, applauds and stands, and he hits the water, and he explodes. No, he hits the water, and he goes down. He comes up with this big smile on his face. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're a Christian for very long, God's going to put you on the edge of a high dive. Just like Austin. He's going to ask you to jump into his arms and to do what he wants you to do. And you're going to think, I can't do it. It will happen. Here's the difference in Jesus and Austin's dad. Jesus will not give you the option to go down the ladder. And be obedient. So you just got to jump. You just got to jump. You just got to decide to do it. Just do it. Where have you heard that before? Who at Nike? You know who the first one to say it was? Gary Gilmore. You know who he was? He was a serial killer. And he was in being executed. And they asked him, is there any last words? And he said, just do it. Check me out. Nike doesn't tell you that, do they? Just do it. There comes a time when you're following Jesus. You just do it. Whatever he's asked you to do. And you'll jump right into victory, purpose, meaning, and his will. And you'll be fulfilled and pleased. Revelation 2, 1 through 4, it says, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name, and have not grown weary. Wow. What a, com a commendation. But, verse 4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Have you ever taken a soul audit about your love for Jesus? 
Do you love Jesus as much now as you did when you received him? Do you love Jesus as much now as years in the, in the past? Are you connected to Jesus now as deeply as you were before? And is that connection growing? I have this against you. You're doing all these things, and they're all great things, minus your love for me. You can serve Jesus diligently, and it become a job, not a relationship, and lose your deep connection and love to him. And that's when grumbling starts and feeling sorry for yourself starts and wondering, does anybody care start? So I thought about my own life. What, what, what are six words uh, that I want to describe my life now that I am retired and doing interim pastoring and what are six words that I would want to be my life? Well, here's one. Connected to Jesus, serving with joy. I would love that to be true about me. I would love that to be true about you. Or it could be this. Connected with Jesus, revived, serving, Joyful. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to say is in this time, with all that's going on, and all that's going on in your life that I don't know, don't neglect your time and your love for Jesus. Abundant life, get connected, stay connected. Deepen your time with him. Deepen your quiet time. Deepen your prayer life. Deepen walking with him. Be connected to him. And I'm going to tell you something. Whatever happens, he will use you in an incredibly amazing way. You will never believe all the things that he will do. Connected with Jesus. Revived. Serving. Joyful. I hope that describes you. But here's the truth. Without him, we can do nothing. And there is a great song that points that out, and I have asked Linda to sing that song, and she's going to do it right from where she's seated. And so would you bow your heads, listen to the words of these songs, and recommit your life to being connected and deeply in love with him. Would you bow your heads, please?
might surely fail without him i would be drifting but like a ship without a sail jesus oh jesus do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh, Jesus, my Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. Without him, I would be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God, saved. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh Jesus, my Jesus, without Isn't that so true? Well, I want to thank you, those who are listening on the internet and watching on Facebook. I want to thank you all who are here. Uh, times are crazy, and maybe next week we'll all be wearing masks. Who knows? But here's what I do know. I'm going to be connected with Jesus. And I'm going to obey him with you. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day.